0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And since Joe Douglas has been the hot name in Jets GM circles, and we know that the Jets have formally requested permission to interview him, I thought that it might be good to talk to somebody in Philadelphia who really knows the landscape of what went on there and knows a lot more about what Joe Douglas has actually done and meant to the Philadelphia Eagles during his time there. So I went out and got Vince Quinn from WIP and the Go Birds podcast, who you've heard on our network before, because he was on Know Your Foe with Michael. Nanny last season did a great job so I'm really glad that he agreed to come back and talk a little bit about Joe Douglas with me Vince what's going on man
1: hey happy to be here um, you know Joe Douglas is a has been a treasured part of the Philadelphia Eagles and I'm hoping the Jets don't steal him
0: we're gonna get to that in a little bit but first I want to set the scene for people that aren't aware of how Joe Douglas ended up on the Eagles or what his role was supposed to be when he came in so from what I understand, Douglas was brought in just after the 2016 draft, which involved Carson Wentz. So talk to me about why he was brought in, what his role was supposed to be, and what everybody was saying his motivations were for making the jump to Philly at the time.
1: Well, yeah. So in a way, the story of Joe Douglas is very much the story of Howie Roseman, because you have to understand when it comes to Roseman, who's you know the de facto GM of the Eagles, the thing is that he was going through this whole era with Chip Kelly where it was a back and forth, and there was a power struggle with the head coach, and the head coach won. I think this sounds a little bit familiar. <laughs> and so Howie Roseman, he gets he goes from being like Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the team, like his favorite son, to being pushed down the hallway and having nothing to do with football operations whatsoever. So for Roseman, he says, you know what, uh, I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to reevaluate things. And he gave this great speech one time about how he traveled the world. He was talking to executives of all different kinds, people who ran all these different sports teams, um, soccer clubs, all this different stuff. And he was just trying to learn everything he could to make himself better. And the big knock on Roseman, and it was a pretty fair knock, was that he wasn't great at drafting. That was the simple fact of the matter. He was really good with contracts. The Eagles had always been good with contracts. He was trained well, and and he continues to be great with it. But the, the drafting was something that he just wasn't good enough on and so having all that time off and being thrown out of the Eagles office he realized okay I need a legitimate player scout you know development all that I need that guy and so Joe Douglas was the guy that he identified and it makes sense because he's he spent time with the Chicago Bears he spent some time with the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens I mean god they've just been such a model of consistency over the past like 15 years or so 20 years I mean they've, they've just been so good for so long so He figured, okay, here's a guy that's been a really good pro-personnel guy in a really successful, sustainable front office. That's the kind of guy that I want. So Joe Douglas comes in to be that player side of the equation. And uh, the, the relationship that he's built with Roseman, the fact that they've been able to share responsibilities where Roseman will get the contracts done, but Joe Douglas is more in charge of when it comes to uh major names we can get into some of those guys later some of the big additions that he made to the team but he lets rose or he's he's let douglas do a lot of the actual football things and how he checks in with them and they have a lot of conversations together but joe has a lot of weight when it comes to player choices and drafting's been better the past couple of years
0: let's make sure we don't scare any jets fans here Roseman was reassigned and came back after the power struggle, flipped back the other way. That's not happening with Mike McCagnin. He's out of (laughs) here. So you don't have to worry about that happening with Mike McCagnin resuming control. But I do find it interesting that he brought Joe Douglas in to handle, as you said, the football stuff. Tell me a little bit more in detail about what Joe Douglas actually did in terms of drafting and going out and acquiring players, because that's something that's been a bit of a problem for the GMs that have been here with the Jets for quite a while. And it sounds like Joe Douglas might be the answer to a lot of prayers.
1: Well, yeah, because here's one of the things. When you look at the Eagles, and it's not just what they're drafting, but it's it's the positions that they're drafting and when. A uh, big movement right now in football is going to be the running backs don't matter movement, right? You hear from that crowd all the time, and especially as Jets fans, you've had to have heard about it you just paid Le'Veon Bell a billion dollars. So there, there's going to be a lot of that. Now, the Eagles are very much a running backs don't matter team. So, uh, fourth round pick for J.H.I. in the Super Bowl season, that was the move they made. They signed with Garrett Blunt after the draft. Uh, that same year in 2017. They just traded for Jordan Howard, and I believe that was a fourth round pick. So they're very much in getting value from cheap veteran players that they know are proven and capable. And then when it comes to the draft, what you've seen over the past couple of years is they're usually making a pick at like the fourth round is typically when they're going after running backs. This year they went a little more aggressive, and they did get one in the second, but it was in the in the 50s. So. You're not seeing first-round running backs out of Joe Douglas. Linebackers, has not been; it's not been a position that they've really valued all that much, and that's how the league has trended a little bit. So he's, he's very modern in that way. I'm curious to see how much of that is Roseman and how much of that is Douglas necessarily, but it has been a theme there, and Douglas is, has handled that dutifully. Um, let's see, pro players. Here's the other thing. He's good at identifying pro guys and selling them on this team because – When it comes to the Eagles, Alshon Jeffrey has been an absolute stud. I mean, the guy is just an incredible player. Joe Douglas had some time with him in Chicago and was a very big part of the reason that Alshon Jeffrey signed with the the Eagles. Um, Tim Jernigan was a really good defensive tackle for a year. He had this weird off-season incident, and now he's kind of a mess, and we don't know what Tim Jernigan is. But when he came in for the Eagles, that was a Joe Douglas move. And so his ability and his relationships – have been very beneficial. The Eagles offensive coordinator right now is Mike Groh. He was the wide receivers coach for Alshon Jeffrey in Chicago, brought him over and they've moved him up in the food chain. So he's been a very integral part of everything that the Eagles have been over the past couple of years. And uh, again, he's just, he's been smart. He, he understands what the trends are in the league.
0: So Alshon Jeffrey coming over on a short one-year deal when he initially signed with the Eagles, a lot of that had to do with Joe Douglas and his prior relationship and being able to convince Alshon Jeffrey that it was the right move for his career?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those things because you're taking a big leap of faith. When you're signing a one-year deal as a wide receiver, you've got to believe that where you're going to be, you're going to get taken care of. And for the time, the Eagles track record is not that great. I mean, you look at 2017, at that, at that point, Carson Wentz has one rookie year under his belt. That's it. He's been a good player, but it's it's not a lock that he's going to be amazing. They were able to sell him on the idea that Carson was going to be able to get on the ball, that he would get those numbers that he needed, and he'd get that big contract. And sure enough, he gets a big contract, and he gets a Super Bowl and all these things, and, and so everything's come together for Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, he's a little bit of a malcontent. But that's, that's more of an Eagles problem and not a Jets problem. So, uh, But, but all, all the same, he was able to sell it oncoming, and, and it worked out beautifully. So it's another feather
0: in the cap for Joe Douglas. I think if the Jets win a Super Bowl, nobody's going to care about who's a malcontent.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, like he's, he's dropped little pot shots here in the media, but it doesn't matter at this point. Everything's going to be fine. They won a Super Bowl. Jeffrey's got his money. It's, it's all good.
0: Vince, I want to ask you about the drafts because you said that they improved a lot. Under Joe Douglas. And one persistent issue for Jets general managers, really going back to since Eric Mangini was dismissed after the 2008 season is the inability to consistently hit on draft picks past the first round. So guys in the second, third, fourth, or even the later rounds. Mm -hmm. Are there some gems that stand out to you that you remember him being able to grab in those rounds that you can think of that makes you say, okay, Joe Douglas is a guy with a track record that if you're hiring somebody and you want to improve upon those issues that I just talked about with the Jets... This is the right guy for that.
1: Well, yeah. You, if you just look at last year and you go into the draft, there's a guy that he picked in the fourth round. His name's Avante Maddox. And this guy is, he's ridiculous. I mean, he, he's an incredible talent. So he's a rookie cornerback and he's a smaller guy. He was like, you know, 5'9", 180 maybe. He's, just, he's not a big dude. But they had him come in and there were so many injuries. I mean, all across the board, they were getting slaughtered at the cornerback position. It was a point where they had a game where they started a fourth round rookie a guy that they had just signed off the street, uh, somebody they had signed like maybe three weeks before that. That was the the three starting quarters. I mean, it was crazy, but for Maddox, he was able to play outside. He played the slot. He was playing safety. He started a couple of games at safety, which he had never played before, and that was the guy that got in the fourth round, and he was giving you big-time production. It was to the point where it's like, I mean, this guy is so incredibly impressive, he's, he's got a chance to start. Now, the Eagles have a lot of money and history with their safety position right now. So they're not going to do it yet. But Malcolm Jenkins is holding out for a new contract because he's probably afraid that Avante Maddox is going to take his job. And so he wants to get as much money as possible now and give him some security so he makes another year's worth or two of money. So that's that. But that's in part a Joe Douglas pick. Um, other guys, you look at it, it, it has been a lot of secondary players. And when it comes to the offensive line, the Eagles have always been a good offensive line organization. They've been able to find guys late and uh, Big V, this guy Halapul Vati Vaitai, he's a sixth round pick, and they've had him playing on both sides of the line. He's playing a little guard for them now. They have they have drafted guys that they've been developing that people are, you know, they're not making an impact yet, but people are pretty confident uh, Jordan Mailata was a seventh-round pick last year. He goes from never playing football literally ever in his life to making the 53-man roster last year because he was that good, and they were absolutely terrified that somebody was going to steal him. So, uh, yeah, there's there's been big enough hits in the end of the drafts and that's a, it's a huge value you need that.
0: This is the overtime podcast network. Would you say that his strategy is more best player available or does he look at certain positions and prioritize those?
1: So, I they say best player all the time and to a degree I believe that, but you know, they're, they're, like I said earlier, right? Teams are going to favor certain positions. So, if you have guys that are equal talent and one's a linebacker and another's a corner, well then they're probably going to lean with the corner. And so that's a nice thing, you know, you, you want to have some preference of what positions matter and also understanding what your coaches want and what they value when they coach within the system. Cause when you look at the Eagles for them, it's very much offensive line and they invest a ton of draft picks and they're unsigned guys and they're the you know the rookie free agents. They always get a lot of linemen and see what they can do. You're looking at the defensive line, they like having a ridiculous amount of depth there. So they're always trying out guys. I mean we had a guy last year. So playing the Chicago Bears in the playoffs, right? That game there's a guy at defensive tackle named Trayvon Hester that gets a piece of the ball. And he was an undrafted guy. Nobody knew who he was, even for most of the season. If you ask most Eagles fans about Trayvon Hester, they'd be like, "Uh, I don't know about him. Does he play basketball? Like they just, they didn't have a clue. And so that guy who barely was on an NFL roster ends up getting major snaps in the second round of the playoffs. And by the bare tip of his finger, puts the eagles in the next round i mean it's like it's incredible and that's a testament you know when you find guys that low on the depth chart it's uh it's really impressive it's great craven leblanc is another guy slot corner for the eagles right now he was in chicago douglas had seen him there was on the street and he says you know let's give this guy a shot and last year if you watch his tape you wouldn't you would have no idea that this guy has been a free agent for uh, for you know and changed teams a bunch of times like he was actually absolutely exceptional and so uh, that's that's the Douglas effect man he's magic
0: tell me a little bit about roster building with Joe Douglas because I know with the Eagles a lot of the offense comes down to getting the right players that fit Peterson's system and that are also tailor-made to what Carson Wentz likes to do and on the defensive side of the ball they have a different identity as well so how Mm -hmm. has he been at going out in the draft, going out into free agency, even trades, and finding ways to add players that fit the bill for that Peterson offensive system, for what Wentz likes to do, for what the Eagles like to do on defense? Is he somebody that really closely confers with the coaching staff on that and then looks at tape and figures out which players would fit best with Carson Wentz?
1: Well, totally, because one of the nice things is you see the, the more time that he's been in town, we continue to see trends with the way that they build this team. So one of the things that they've been big on for the past couple of years on the offensive side of the ball is they want those really fast receivers, right? So that second receiver, because you have Alshon Jeffrey, which again, Douglas brought him in, and then you wanted that speed guy. So for one year, it was Torrey Smith. He was there for the Super Bowl year. Last year, they went after Mike Wallace. This year, it was Deshaun Jackson. They had a clear interest in that. They knew they needed a deep ball guy. Wentz can throw the deep ball. Doug wants the deep ball. So they go and get that guy. And it has been a very successful element for them. With the running backs, again, identifying those pro guys, and Douglas has always very much been a pro personnel guy, um, identifying Jay Ajayi to come in and be a contributor was a big thing. Now it's Jordan Howard. That's going to be a big piece of the offense. So they, they we know what those trends are now. They act on it well, and usually their hit rate is pretty darn good when they're finding those pieces too. So that, that's what you're getting on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side of the ball, uh, I mentioned Timmy Jernigan, who had come in and was a big piece for the Super Bowl run. Chris Long was a really big piece for that Super Bowl run. And they identified him, they brought him in, he was great. Michael Bennett, getting him from Seattle was like one of the greatest deals I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he traded a fifth-round pick for a guy that plays not only defensive end, but plays defensive tackle. The Eagles very much systemically, you know, Jim Schwartz is the defensive coordinator. He likes the ability to get defensive tackles, or, or rather defensive ends, and he'll put them at defensive tackle on third down, so when it's third and long... He can get all these guys who are great pass rushers, he'll spread them out in his wide nine system, and then he'll let those guys just attack downhill, and that was a great fit for a fifth-round pick when you get Michael Bennett, you know, so that, that's a, a growing theme. They continue to add so many pieces in the secondary, and some of these guys, they've gotten off the street. Again, I mentioned Craven LeBlanc was a guy that got off the street as a slot corner, and, and he's been fantastic for them, so... He's, he's identified the positions. He interacts with the coaching staff in the right way. We never hear about a piece that gets signed and gets underutilized, which is always a big problem, right? I mean, God forbid you give some player a five-year, $65 million contract, and they're not playing in the right system. You know, like, those are real problems. We saw it in Philly before Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman. We saw it where uh, Nandi Asamoa had gotten a big deal, and then he was a press guy, but then they wanted him to play some zone. And he was just getting torched all the time. He ends up getting run out of the league, essentially. I mean, it was it was horrible. And so you haven't seen that over the last couple of years. The Eagles continue to win. They've had depth as well. On top of that, I mean, the, the Super Bowl year they were they were pretty injured last year. They were ridiculously injured, and they were still able to make it to the second round of the playoffs. So um, depth, consistency, usage of all the players to the right—you know—the the, the snaps match the dollar amounts. It's it's all been very on point.
0: Based on everything I've heard and based on everything you've just said, this is not a surprise. He's very well thought of in the Eagles organization. Tell me a little bit about just how highly thought of he is because I know that at one point the Texans requested permission to speak with him and interview him for one of their vacancies and they were denied.
1: Yeah, they really care about this guy. And the other thing is for Howie Roseman, he does have a reputation at times of being hard to work with. But it's been better since he's come back, and a big part of that is the way that he is so in step with Joe Douglas. And that's the problem, is when you've got everything working so well, and you win your first organizational Super Bowl, you don't want to get rid of one of the main contributors for that happening. So to have Douglas just walk, um, I, I bet for him it has to be a really good opportunity, because he has been able to win, the relationship has been good, so it's complicated. And and it seems like the Jets job, obviously, you know, he's got this connection to Gase and and we'll see where it plays out. There's been all these whispers. But when when you think about why they didn't want to let him go, um, part of it is ego. Right. I mean, he is effectively an assistant general manager and guys always want to be the general manager. But when Howie Roseman's covering contracts the way that he's been, it makes the life of an assistant GM way easier because it's like, all right. We generally agree on these players. Um, Derek Barnett, for example, was a first-round pick two years ago, and they totally agreed that that was the guy. They both like would visit each other in the office and be giddy about Derek Barnett tape. So you could say, okay, well, this is the guy, and then for all of our other defensive ends, I know how he's going to lock in the contracts, and it'll be good. So the, the responsibility factor is is less, uh, but the and therefore a good office environment, c- continuous. Uh, continuous run of success it's just all it's all been easy and you don't want to break things up when it's going well and so it's been hard but the attention for douglas keeps growing and rightfully so and it might be finally time that he leaves the nest
0: Tell me a little bit more about the relationship with Roseman because it sounds like they really have a great synergy there. What's that been like exactly, to the best of your knowledge, in terms of who's doing what and who's leaning on who? And like you said, who kind of has quote-unquote final say there? And also about roseman being difficult to work with or at least that's the reputation that he has how would that serve joe douglas here in new york because obviously if he comes in here he'd be working with another guy that has a reputation for being very difficult to work with adam Gase.
1: well yeah so the general understanding is that howie roseman does have final say but he listens to joe douglas a lot and joe douglas has has some leeway because the track record has been good you know so He's earned that, and uh, and rightfully so. So so that's the one thing. Roseman definitely does have final say, but he, he does lean on Douglas. Then when you're talking about what it could be like with Gase, it, I I wonder because they did have some. They have spent time together, so they do know each other. And I would assume that Douglas, being on the outside and being in a stable organization, seeing all these things about the Jets, if he's going to take the job, he has to believe. That he is going to have a good relationship with Gase because if he's not and he's getting hired by Gase, it's already a weird situation where you're kind of you're kind of fighting uphill as a general manager, which is not a normal situation, and sort of be in that spot and be iffy about whether or not you're going to get along with the head coach. I, I think that's just, it's silly, and for Douglas to leave, I, I just don't buy it, you know? So if he's going to leave, I would assume the relationship with him and Gase is going to be pretty good because him and roseman again yeah roseman they've they love working with each other and i've never heard any whispers that they don't get along or that douglas is itching to get out of there and get another job he's been very content and and it's just been humming along smooth so um yeah again if he takes that jets job i'd I'd feel pretty optimistic about it
0: this is the overtime podcast network To that end, with working with the coaching staff, tell me a little bit about what you know as far as his relationship with the coaches and the other people in the front office. Because obviously, if he comes to the Jets, he's going to have to work with the coaching staff, but he's going to have to work with people around him in the front office, people below him. What have his relationships been like in that regard, both with the coaching staff and the other people in the front office besides just Roseman? Yeah,
1: so there's not a ton that's written about it necessarily, but here's what I'll say is that the the way that he he gets along with the organization has been smooth because at the very least he's doing the main job that you want from a general manager right he is he's going out he's getting players that fit the system that the coaches want and use and that's the main thing and so the coaches seem to be pretty happy with it i've never heard complaints of you know we just don't have enough talent at this position or uh you know we're just not giving guys with the right attitude they, they always seem to check the right boxes and so it's, it's just been, uh, it's been a great situation for Doug Peterson. He's had more talent than he really knows what to do with. It's, just been so, it's, it's really been injuries that have derailed this team. And obviously with Wentz, that's been the biggest single problem. It's that and coaching staff guys that have disappeared. But in terms of everything that Douglas can provide, he's always done it. And they've been aggressive in going after players. When they feel like it's the right fit, they'll move up in the draft. They have no problem doing it. So uh, in terms of, yeah, that relationship, it, it seems very strong.
0: Is there anybody in the front office that he's particularly close with? I'm obviously asking because if he were to come to the Jets, you would assume he would want to take some of those guys with him. Any candidates there for that?
1: You know, that's an interesting thing because the Eagles have recently made some changes to the scouting department. They've let a couple of guys go, some of their head scouts. So there's been some changeover, and I'm not sure what to make of that yet. Uh, I'm not sure if, like, let's say those guys were fired because Howie Roseman decided they weren't doing a good enough job, but Douglas likes them. Then it might be one of those things where Douglas just has his hands tied and those guys are gone, and if he goes to New York, then maybe he hires those guys when he goes up there. Uh, But there there definitely is going to be a natural set of him taking scouts from the Eagles with him. I'm not sure the names of those guys off the top of my head, But I would assume it's going to be the case. And obviously, when you get all of those guys from the Eagles staff, they're probably going to share some of those same mentalities of, all right, we value this position over that position. We value a guy that is built a certain way at this spot over a guy that's built another way, you know, another prototype. So those are the kinds of things that you'll get. But, yeah, again, I, I don't know the exact names.
0: It sounds like there's a really strong relationship there with Douglas and Roseman, and that they've got a really good setup in Philly. Like you said, it's been continuous winning, and the program has really gotten on the right track. Do you think that there's any way that Philly would try to block Joe Douglas going to the Jets if, let's say, he wanted the job? Now, I'm going to get into Douglas himself and whether he would want the job in a second. But I wanted to know if you think that there's a way that they would try to block him because, to the best of my knowledge, unless he is given full control of the 53-man roster, which we don't know for sure he would be offered, the Eagles could theoretically block him from going. So with your knowledge of how well things have been going and not wanting to break that up, do you think it's possible that the Eagles would just flat out tell him, no, you can't go?
1: All right, well, you know, I'm a little bit of a Game of Thrones fan, so let me give you some, like, <laughs> deep-level conspiracy things here. All right, so so here's the thing. It has been publicized that Gase and Douglas are good buddies. And that's why there's so much interest in Douglas getting the job. Now, if Douglas is on the outside and saying, this is crazy, and I like Gase, like, you have good friends, right? But you're not you're not going to live with certain friends of yours. There's just there's something different about spending time together every single day versus seeing each other a couple times a week. It's just different. And so if for Joe Douglas that's how it is and he ultimately doesn't want the job, a smooth way to do it rather than turning it down might just be to have the Eagles reject it and say, no, we're not going to let him interview, and that way Gase can walk. Uh, Douglas can walk away and say, "Hey, well, I tried. You know, I wanted to be a Jets GM. They just said no. What can I do? They said no. So that's one way he could do it. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. I mean, if he really wants the job, they've they've had an understanding that he is a very valued piece in the NFL, and there are teams that want him, and they don't expect to have him forever. And so they might just be resigned to the fact that if he wants this job, they're going to let him go get it. And it is what it is. So uh, I don't think it's likely." that they'll block it and so odds are he if he wants that job he's going to take it
0: do you think it's possible though that they might go to him and say listen we won't stop you if you want to go but you're very valued here we want you to stay and we're willing to give you whatever it takes in terms of money to keep you here that's what i hope i mean you know, for me
1: seriously like i hope they give them all the money in the world because that's that's one of the few advantages that you have like for the eagles you're you're a big market team your fan base is ridiculous and actually as we're doing this phone call right now so uh, my my girlfriend's family went on a trip to aruba they found an Eagles super bowl champion shirt that also somehow they snuck aruba on there There's just it's like so and and They bought it for me, you know, and like, I bet other people were buying it. They went out there. Just Eagles fans are insane. And so there's so much money to be made and that they do make compared to other teams in the NFL. They have the luxury, if they want to do it, of spending more than anybody else in the front office. There's no salary cap there. It doesn't matter. So it's all up to them and how much they would want to pay and what Douglas's figure would be. And so I hope they do that. I mean, again, I would love to keep Douglas here. I think it's been great. And when it's been great, why break it up? But. If he's got his heart set on being the guy that has final say, then, you know, there's no amount of money that's ever going to fix that. He's just going to want that responsibility and want that control and want that power. And he's got every right to go get it. He's earned it.
0: Vince, I got to become friends with your girlfriend and her family because I want them to bring <laughs> me to Aruba next time.
1: Well, yeah, they didn't bring me. They just brought me a shirt back. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: come on, man, you got to bring Vince to Aruba. You can't just yeah. bring a shirt. You've Got to go the whole way, right? <laughs> I know. I'm a good time, man. Like you don't. It's not one of those
1: things where I need a couple of drinks to get going. I'll just, you know, I'm I'm ready to go from the start.
0: <laughs> one of the benefits of being an optimistic Eagles fan who's seen success over the last couple of years, no doubt, right?
1: Well, yeah, that optimism is directly related to the fact that we have seen success over the past couple of years. You talked to me five years ago. I'm a very different guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope that if Joe Douglas comes in to be the general manager of the Jets five years from now, you and I are talking and I'm saying, hey, Vince, remember what you said about how optimistic you were after Joe Douglas is there for a couple of years? Guess what? I'm in the same boat now. That would be great if he comes here. But the question now, of course, is let's say he gets offered the job. Do you think he ultimately would want to take it and come here and be the general manager of the Jets? We know that there's a bit of a mess here. We know that he has that relationship with Adam Gase. What does your gut say about it? Do you think that if Joe Douglas is offered the GM job with the New York Jets, that he would leave Philly to come here and take that job?
1: Uh, my gut is that, yeah, if he if he gets a legitimate offer where he is an actual GM with 53-man roster control and Adam Gase just said, you know, McCagnon's not my guy, and I, but I don't want that responsibility, so he does give up all that control and just continues to be a head coach, then yeah, it, it is going to happen. And the big thing that I would keep an eye on, and, and this is what fascinates me the most when it comes to Douglas, is in the same way that he's been Howie Roseman's number two, as you know, the the more of the football guy, I'd be very curious to see who he gets if he gets anybody to be the contract guy because he's seen the value of it up close. I mean, Roseman, he comes up with clauses in contracts that have never been done before, <laughs> or or and he does very exper- experimental contracts like Darrell Revis for those years where he would sign one year. It was like a three year contract for like forty five million dollars each year, being one year fifteen, and they were all essentially one year deals where he could opt out. After every single year, he had a contract he signed like that with Tory Smith and, and it worked out really well. He was able to get a good year out of Tory Smith and trade him. And so he got something back for that. Like that was a nice move. Um, so that the value of the contracts, the way that Harry Roseman moves around money to allow them to keep the team as strong and deep as it is has just been, it's one of the biggest advantages, if not the single biggest advantage the Eagles have compared to everybody else in the NFL. I just think Roseman is flat out the best contract guy, period. And so when you've got somebody that's that talented and you're around them and you're seeing those benefits up close every day, how much has that sunk in with Douglas? And how much is he going to apply that to that new job, whether it's the Jets or somebody else? I can't wait to see, but I I really hope he does something like that and and builds another monster out there.
0: So you think that if he's offered what he considers real control and not just say a 50-50 share with Adam Gase, then he would be willing to come to the Jets? Yeah,
1: I would figure. I mean, because right now he's, you know, he's got control over Doug Peterson still. He's the assistant GM, but I mean, it's him and Howie and, and they've got say and Doug doesn't. And so, like, I mean, obviously Doug Peterson has input. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. He knows what he's doing. But they have final say on all that stuff. And so, yeah, if, if you give him a real GM job with final say, he's going to take that job.
0: Vince, I'm pretty sure I can guess your answer to this question based on what we've been talking about. But let's say I'm Christopher Johnson, the acting owner of the New York Jets. And I call you up and I say, Vince, big fan of your work with the GoBirds podcast. Big fan of your work at WIP. I listen all the time. You're my favorite. And I trust your opinions. So I want to know, do you think that I should do whatever I have to do to get Joe Douglas in here as general manager? What would you say? I, I would tell him, if you
1: have to fire Adam Gase to get Joe Douglas in there, <laughs> I would do that. I mean, yes, yeah, get him in there. He, there. There are very few people who are legitimately great at being a general manager. And if you've got the opportunity to get a guy that could be great and be with your team. I mean, again, he trained under Ozzie Newsom and Ozzie Newsom was running the Ravens for forever, and they've been so good. And If you can get a guy like that, you have to take that chance. And, and whatever it takes to do it, you got to do it. It's just too important. It means everything for an organization.
0: I'll tell you something, Vince. I was already high on Joe Douglas, but boy, did you sell him to me today. I'm really glad I got the opportunity to talk to you. He's a fantastic host and producer at WIP in Philly, as well as the Go Birds podcast. Vince Quinn, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For anybody that's not familiar with you, why don't you go ahead and let them know where they can find your work? Hey, well, the
1: nice thing is I'm very easy to find. Twitter is the easiest way to do it, and you can find me at It's Vince Quinn. It's all one word. It's Vince Quinn. That's it.
0: There you go. You can find his schedule on WIP, see when he's going to be involved with the Go Birds podcast, and just follow a very knowledgeable Philadelphia Eagles fan, which is always a good thing to do, especially since the Jets are going to be playing the Eagles this year, so I'm sure that this won't be the last time that Vince is on the show. Vince, thanks again so much for coming on. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was great.
0: Make sure you follow Vince on Twitter. Go ahead and listen to him on WIP and on the Go Birds podcast. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.